You're listening to The Local Maximum, episode 174. Time to expand your perspective. Welcome to The Local Maximum. Now, here's your host, Max Clark. Welcome, everyone. Welcome. You have reached another Local Maximum. This is episode 174. Today is a pretty cool day. This is the first time we are using this studio, the Local Maximum podcast studio with an in-person guest other than Aaron, which was the last time. And uh, also, if you're a member of the Locals, that's local. That's uh, maximum.locals.com, uh, I put out a little poll, very unscientific poll, very, not a whole lot of people who were, who, who were in it. It's just the, um, the paying members of the Locals, but that's one of the benefits you get to be a paying member. You get more, uh, you get more input uh, on, in terms of like what topics uh, you want me to cover here on the local maximum. So the ones that I got, the number one that I got was people wanted to talk about the new decentralized tech, decentralized web. And that's something I've been talking about since the beginning here in the local maximum, since we started in 2018. And that certainly uh, goes along pretty well with today's guest, which we'll get to in a second. Another one is people want me to keep talking about math and machine learning topics. That's great. I've also been talking about that since the beginning. So uh, I'm going to continue to do that. And then of course, uh, emerging tech as well. So I'll try to focus on those things. It doesn't matter. It doesn't mean that I'm still not going to do all the other things that I want to do. But uh, that was good to know. If you have some input on, on what you'd want me to cover here, please let me know. Uh, we've got, uh, you know, we've got a very busy week coming up or week, very busy month coming up in June in terms of in terms of guests because we have uh, Gene Epstein next week we have our local maximum uh, emerging technology uh, 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 panel our um, there's a, a our our tech retreat is next weekend in in Hampton Beach uh, New Hampshire and we're going to talk about emerging technology there and do a little uh, brainstorm we're going to open up some of the uh, predictions that we made a year ago, two years ago, five years ago, even. Uh, we, yes, we've been doing this for six years. This, uh, this, uh, the, the, this, pr- these predictions, and so we're going to open up predictions that me and my group have made in terms of mostly on technology, but also social issues as well. And we're going to see how we did, and we're going to make more predictions. So that that's coming up uh, in, in a few weeks. Very exciting. Uh, today we're going to talk about library and odyssey. So if you haven't noticed, YouTube is insane. It's not really a partisan issue. You know, people have noticed for a long, long time that YouTube is like, you know, uh, it's, it's very dangerous to start a business on YouTube because it could be demonetized at any time. They could change the algorithm on you. You don't know what's going to happen. And when it comes down to it, you don't really own your audience on there. And so, uh, uh, today I look at a decentralized alternative called Odyssey and Library. Now you notice that those two names in there, and I'll talk a little bit about this with our guest Jeremy. But um, you know, the bottom line is that uh, this is, I think, a good. Um, th- 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 this is a good kind of uh, uh, test case, or or sort of uh, 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 a pattern 
in terms of how some of the, this decentralized tech work, where you have library on the bottom that's decentralized and anyone can use it, and then you have Odyssey, which is kind of building the front end on top of it. And so if Odyssey, you know, if Odyssey goes wrong, then someone else could just build on top of library, uh, and that's where all the content is. is. So I'm going to get into more of the specifics with uh, the founder and CEO of Library and Odyssey, that is Jeremy Kaufman, and he joined me today in this room. Let's, uh, let's bring it up. Let's have a listen. Jeremy Kaufman, you've reached the local maximum. Welcome to the show. It's great to be here with you, Max. So this is, I feel like every week I have another milestone these days. This week, this is the, you are the first in-person guest I have had since February 2020 when I had Professor Adam Kapellner on to talk about experimental design, which turned out to actually be pretty useful over the next few months. But uh, man, I, I'm just, and somehow I'm in New Hampshire. Like I never would have guessed if you went back to 2020 February and been like, you're not going to do these for a while and you're going to have your next person in an apartment that's yours in New Hampshire in like a, a room dedicated to podcasting. I'd be like, holy crap. No way. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm thrilled to be here with you, and I'm thrilled to be participating in your, in your triumphant return to in-person show. Yeah, yeah. And we'll talk about this at the end, hopefully, my, uh, my debut on, uh, on Odyssey and Library. So let's, let's just start with that. Like, how did you get involved with Library? How did you get the idea? You know, wh when did you start this whole thing? Yeah. I'll, and and I'll, tell me a little bit about I'll it. I'll talk briefly yeah. about what it is. and. I'll give this sort of simple explanation and then the, the complex one. Yeah. So the simple one is there's a website called Odyssey, O-D-Y-S-E-E.com. We think it's the successor to YouTube, and that's partially because of this library technology behind it. But it's used by uh, more than 20 million people each month. There's lots of content on there. It works very similarly to YouTube. It's not going to be hard to use. It's very user-friendly. Less ads, less spying, less exploitation. So you can just go on there and have a good time. In fact, one of the things a lot of people say, they join the site and they're like, I remember when I used to see this guy on YouTube before YouTube you know, started putting their thumb on the scales and, and started hiding that person. That's interesting because I, I, I found Odyssey only like a, a couple, well, I, I think I've been in and out of it, but I really looked into it like a, like a month ago and I tweeted, I tweeted this, which I like. It's like when you're at an event called YouTube and you realize that like slowly over time, most of the interesting people have left the room and then like later you're like, they're all at the after party. That's Odyssey. That, uh, I may be picking up that language in the, in the future. You're going to hear me say that on a future podcast. Okay. Because that's exactly what's been going on. Uh, YouTube's become very political, very corporate. They've really dismissed the kind of independent voices that YouTube used to be all about. And, and so that's, that's Odyssey. And you don't need to know any – so library is yeah. this kind of crazy – decentralized blockchain based we're going to get into that in, yeah. in a few minutes but okay. that's 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 under the hood and we like to look under the hood in local maximum but before we get into that yes you don't need to know about it so in fact i guess the number one recommendation before we go into library is if you're listening to this and you're not on odyssey this is a great chance to switch over check it out and and see what it's all about create an account subscribe to subscribe to max and and you know just kind of dip your toe in the water and and see how it feels so what do you so like I'm I'm now thinking about YouTube like pre 2010. Uh, do you remember how fun it was? <laughs> I mean, I, I know you probably haven't said good things about YouTube in a while, but do you remember what it, you know? I just remember people on there would be like doing all. It was kind of like 
long form TikTok almost, but it was like it was it was interesting. You had a lot of interesting people on there. It uh, look, I completely agree with you. I was a fan of YouTube for a long time, and it and it wasn't. There wasn't this like sharp moment, but it, it's been this descent. And I think in the last year or two, it's been like unequivocally obvious that they're they're not remotely playing fair. They're more much more interested in boosting, you know, uh, Stephen Colbert and Gordon Ramsay and like high and this sort of like very produced content yeah. than the kinds of independent stuff that you used to find. It's very uh, like very you said like corporate, very vanilla, very uh, basic. Not something that I would say never listened to, but like. You yeah. know, it's just it. It's just not gonna. And, and they openly say yeah. this, by the way. Like the the YouTube CEO is on record multiple times saying that they they boost quote authoritative content, even if their audience doesn't like it. Like they see themselves as playing this role as this kind of like mommy or daddy to uh, to their user base, rather than treating them like the adults that they are. And it almost feels like it's sort of accelerated in the last couple years, well, certainly during COVID, but even like the, even the year before that, it was accelerating. I covered this on the show. And I remember as late as 2018, like my take was, well, they might not be doing this on purpose. It might be like, you know, so like, you know, the people who work there are a little biased and the, you know, some people are uh, complaining that they don't have enough users. Maybe they're just not as good. I don't know. Maybe they didn't get deplatformed, but I, I think like that, uh, plausible deniability has gone out the window uh, for me. I mean, I don't know. Maybe some people realized it way earlier, but uh, but it, it's gone out the window for me. I, I, I'm completely with you. Uh, I don't think it matters when you've realized it. I think that it's difficult at this point not to realize it. Yeah. Okay. So like you said, Odyssey, it, it looks like YouTube for the outside observer. So you'll be able to use it. And if if that's all it was, if it was just a YouTube clone and it was successful, I'd say, well, you know, hey, that's pretty neat. But first of all, there's no like, there, there's nothing interesting that went into that. It was just a copycat. And secondly, you know, you could expect the same forces that took over YouTube to also take over this new thing. So instead of doing that, you built Odyssey off of this decentralized system called Library, Library with no vowels. L-B-R-Y, and that hosts videos and all sorts of documents. So I, I want to get, I have all sorts of questions written here about how library works, but why don't you give us the whole, the, the, the overview before we get started? Absolutely. And this, this might get a little bit nerdy. So the one thing yes. I'll say before we dive in, and I love getting <laughs> nerdy, I'm a, you know, I'm a nerd, but the, the one thing I'll say is you don't need to know or understand any of this. So if, you're, if, you're, if your attitude is, I'm frustrated with YouTube, I want something better, you can go on to Odyssey and you don't need to understand anything that I'm about to say. And, and we've tried to design Odyssey in a way that doesn't surface these kinds of things. I think this is, so Library is a blockchain-based protocol. And I think that this is something that the blockchain industry gets wrong a lot of the times is they sort of like force you to learn about it. It's like they've invented the car and they're like, it's not sufficient to, to drive it. You need to know how the internal combustion engine works. Right. right? And Which like that's, I definitely and the, do not. And that's <laughs> not our attitude. Um, but so Library is a decentralized. But, but I should point out, there's a little bit of a, um, there's one thing that I want to add. If you're going to like, put your business on Odyssey, like you put your business, because if you feel like you were, for example, screwed over by YouTube, you might want to know why Odyssey is not going to do the same thing. That's exactly right. And so it is important that library exists, even if you don't 
understand all of it, the sort of like understanding the properties. So in fact, actually, this is a great way to introduce it. What are the properties? Uh, library does to publishing what Bitcoin does to money. And so what that means is it disintermediates it. It means that you can have local control and local ownership without relying on this sort of central authority to, to provide everything. So what that means is you can have, a, you, when you're publishing the library, everything is recorded on a public blockchain. All of your content, your settings, who you're following, everything that you're doing on the network, almost everything that you're doing on the network is built into a cryptocurrency wallet. You, if you start via Odyssey, you can download that wallet, you can delete your, your Odyssey account, and you can be in, in, interacting completely in the decentralized network. So there's this library network underneath it. It's peer-to-peer, blockchain-based, decentralized. And what that means is you, uh, you can have these YouTube-like experiences, which Odyssey provides, and there are other apps, uh, and um, you don't have to uh, surrender. Uh, it, it, the, the properties are completely inverted, right? So you can have local local control over what over what you're doing. Um, so your handle um, and all of these things you can down and like literally like we can't take them away from you. You own them, right? So if you now when you're on Odyssey, we still have the ability to to sort of interact with your account because you're trusting us as a custodian, right? An, an analogy, okay, so oh, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, so an, an analogy that might, if your if your audience is like even loosely familiar with cryptocurrency, yes, like uh, library is Bitcoin. And so if you want to go hardcore, you can have a local wallet. And if you lose your local keys, then you've lost everything, right? Right, right. But you also have full control. No one can take it away from you. Odyssey is like Coinbase. It's not like Coinbase in the sense that it's a crypto trading site, but it's like Coinbase in the sense that it's a really easy way to use it. You don't have to do, you don't have to assume all the responsibility and you still get to interact with, with Bitcoin. Although in this case, we're talking about library. Okay, so, so let, me, let, let me see if I could take this analogy further, and I'm, I'm going to explain a little bit, not because I'm explaining to you, but because I'm reminding the Perfect. audience. But like, you know, when you have Bitcoin on Coinbase or some other custodian, they custod- custodian, that's fine. If you want to have it yourself, you either need to have like, you know, a, 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 a hardware wallet, like a Trezor or a Ledger, or you need to have a paper wallet or you have a, a, a wallet on your, on your phone. Does any equivalent to that exist for a library? Yeah, exactly. It does. And so both the library desktop app and the library Android app, and what we're moving towards is basically everything branded library will mean local control. Uh, everything uh, branded not library will mean sort of custodial uh, control. We do have a legacy app. I don't encourage you going to use this, but we're in the process of migrating it. So there's a website called lbry.tv. That is not meeting that library standard, and that's part of why we're, we replaced library.tv with this website called Odyssey. Uh, but basically, outside of library.tv, if it's branded library, it means that you have these local control properties. If it's not branded library, it means you're going to – and my company has made it, or whatever company makes it, it means that you're going to be trusting them to, to be providing – some additional, you know, layers on top. Right. So, so when the individual has control, I'm, I'm just trying to imagine, like, what can they do? Can they, like, delete stuff that they own? Can they yeah, add so, comments? Can they, you know, what, what is it that they so, control? So you, so you can let me know if this gets too technical. No, but basically, what the library blockchain does is it's a, it's a public proof-of-work blockchain. And what it does is it stores content metadata. In that metadata, so content metadata is things like who made the content, the description, all of these kinds of things embedded in that metadata is a pointer to a peer-to-peer network, think BitTorrent. And so when you're using library desktop, 
you're not reliant on my company to provide that service. Um, you have a much better experience than using BitTorrent. It's also much more legitimate than BitTorrent. So when I say BitTorrent, I don't mean you're going to step into this this world of where it's you know 99% infringing content. Hmm. Um, and similarly, your identity, when you create an identity on the library blockchain, which we call a channel, uh, you also own that. And so your channel handle exists on the blockchain. Your channel handle provides a fairly standard public-private key cryptographic pair, and that channel handle is then used to sign content that you publish uh, or, uh, or, that, anyone, or that anyone publishes. And so um, it's, uh, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's a, it's, if, you're, if you're getting some of these things, it's a very beautiful, it's a very beautiful kind of system. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, I, I kind of get it. I mean, uh, we've talked about on this program, you know, from the beginning, how a blockchain could be thought of as a decentralized database precisely so it's just like it's it's just you know the uh, youtube's database in a blockchain yeah some, something yeah like that. i th- and i wish I, this is maybe getting off topic but whatever that's me uh the uh i wish more people thought this way about blockchain actually like so many people are obsessed with the financialization of it and i'm much more interested in the fact that we can now in, in sort of the database aspect of it right we can have these systems that no one owns and no one controls where we're still having an agreement on the state that exists within that system. And so we can have, and this is why it's called library. Like I'll be honest, when I started library, I did not think I was creating a YouTube competitor. I wasn't like, I want to compete with YouTube. That came actually like more than a year after we had started where we're like, we should probably compete with YouTube more because this is a good opportunity for us. What it was, was I, I was just, I fell in love with this idea of the fact that you could have this registry of content that exists literally like a library, like the old Dewey Decimal type system, this registry of content that exists that's not owned or controlled by any one party. Yeah. And was it always video or was it, or it's... It was, so library is not, it's agnostic to it's not content. Even, yeah. Okay, yeah. I mean, so we, we, video was like pretty close to a day one thing where we're like, video is a really, really logical use case. So we started tailoring design like towards video, but people use library to distribute, um, to distribute, well, text is probably the second to video, but behind text, text and images, behind those, I mean, we have people, like, it's a popular system for um, CAD files, actually. Interesting. Uh, and, uh, because that's a, that's a network where, uh, you know, people like, they're technical and they like decentralized publishing. And, and so that's a big area. Um, you get, like, data dumps. How do people search, like, CAD files? Because it's not like there's a odyssey for it. Well, they use the library desktop app. Oh, they just so use, okay. Yeah, yeah. So the library desktop app is used by hundreds of thousands of people every day. It's not quite as big as Odyssey, which is getting used by millions of people every day. Uh, but there's a lot of people who prefer that peer-to-peer desktop experience. It gives hmm. them more control. Um, I already, just because I've been nerding out for like probably five or 10 minutes, I do really want to emphasize odyssey.com. You don't need to understand anything that I've been saying. <laughs> yeah. It's going to work just like YouTube. It's I, 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 something that people say uh, to me. Li- yeah. People listening to this podcast are used to getting, you know, okay, okay, 70, okay. 80% okay, of cause, it. Okay. Because people say to me sometimes like, I didn't even know that a blockchain was involved when I signed up for Odyssey. Because some yeah. people hear like, it's just a better YouTube. Well, well that's fantastic because yeah. people are used to, um, I think with Bitcoin, people are um, used to... Um, I mean, I used to do this too. Like, you know, you have to understand how cryptography works. It's like, oh, no, I don't want to touch that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and like, I'm the few people are like, oh, I do want to touch it. But then it's like, don't, um, 
you know, I, the, the, you, you don't want to start with that necessarily. You just yeah. want to start with the properties. I think, like, but, like you said, like though. I like Ethereum, but yeah. like MetaMask is not fun, hmm. at, right? Uh, and so, like, uh, it's nothing like that. It's going to be really user friendly to come onto Odyssey. So I just I do like to to make sure when after I nerd out to to come back. Okay. To that. Yeah, yeah. So I, I wanted to ask about you know the the, the hosting of the files. So I'm thinking, okay, um, I'm, I'll use Bitcoin as an example, or any any of the financial blockchains. Like every node in the system has all of the transactions. Great, but surely not everyone has every video that would be like petabytes and petabytes <laughs> state. So like who, who so like when I upload a video to YouTube, it goes into a server controlled by Google controlled by YouTube. Um, when, when I upload a video to library, uh, when I upload the video to Odyssey, w- what happens on the back end is it's really uploading to library, but, but who's hosting that? Who's, how do you know it's going to be there? Yeah, so the content is not going into the blockchain. You're absolutely correct. That would bloat the blockchain incredibly. Yeah. Just the metadata goes into the blockchain. And in fact, for these reasons, the, the metadata is, uh, is limited. So the metadata on, ev- on every, uh, every publish is eight kilobytes. Or well, or less. You don't. You know, you're not using all the. Um, included in that metadata is a entry point, uh, a hash that's an entry point to a, a DHT based peer to peer network, which is basically what BitTorrent is. Uh, so when you're uploading it through Odyssey, because you're not participating in the peer to peer network, the Odyssey servers are participating in that peer-to-peer network um, but all of the library desktop users hundreds of thousands of them are participating in that peer-to-peer network as is a community of people and some uh, and some other enthusiasts who are sort of participating in a more industrial industrial kind of way and there are some market incentives um, there as well to be participating in that network so ha- so um, I guess I, I, it's still open to the question. If I have, if I upload a video and someone in the network is hosting it, how am I sure that they won't like drop offline or something uh, like that? So, so uh, technically, you can't be. So, the library does not promise that your content will continue to be available. So, like if you, for example, uploaded some metadata and then your your pointer was to you know some like fifty petabyte file, like yeah. people might not host it, right? Right. Um, uh, things that are uploaded to Odyssey, the company does continue to main to run servers uh, to to continue to to host that content. I see, I see. Uh, so it, but there's not the the service does not promise. Now that said, there are some. We do think the system has some incentives. It's like, well, like you don't have a contract for you know bread, and yet nonetheless, when you go to the corner store, bread is always available. Hmm, like yeah. so, there we do think that like content will still be available at a very, very high level of availability, even though there's not strictly someone who is promising you that it will be available. And we now have more than 10 million items that are available over the network. And 99.9 plus percent of them are still available. Um, So there's not that much content that's kind of aging out or disappearing. Gotcha. Gotcha. So yeah, so that's interesting. So uh, it sounds to me like Library, no absolute guarantee, but pretty darn certain. And then Odyssey takes one step further. Well, we're custodial and we'll also host your stuff. So we'll have that extra layer of certainty. Exactly. Okay, cool. Um, and I'm sure, like, are there certain things that need to be taken down or are not YouTube style, but like 
you know, there must be some things where it's like, hey, this is uploaded to library. Maybe this this won't go on Odyssey. Sure. So well, so there's two different standards. Um, right. We have at, and I'll talk about how we handle both. Sort of, um, there's basically content that's illegal, copyright okay. infringement, or or whatever, and then there's content that's maybe distasteful. Um, at in terms of and uh, they're handled in similar a similar system handles both, um, and what we do is um, we actually mark blockchain segments, blockchain entries as containing either illegal or infringing or or alternatively distasteful content. That is not deleting anything from the blockchain. We don't have the ability to do that. It's additional metadata that says these segments contain content that's of this type. Hmm. And so we call this, um, we do call it blacklisting or graylisting this content. It's not removing the segments, but it's basically instructing wallet servers and other node operators that this content is uh, either breaking the law or may have other distasteful characteristics. Um, and so in the case of odyssey.com, basically content that's illegal or in the distasteful category is not going to be shown. In the case of the library desktop app, content that is, uh, that's in the illegal category, assuming you're still relying on the default wallet servers, is also going to show up as, as uh, blocked or you know, uh, as, as illegal. So it may be possible to use library illegally, but at the point at which you'd be doing it, you wouldn't be using any servers that my company is involved in. So um, is there anything to stop some other company to um, like to use the, the custodial analogy saying, hey, I'm also building a YouTube clone on top of library and there's nothing you could do about it? Yeah, we would encourage that competition. Like if someone wants to build a, a, another Odyssey, we think that that's great. And so the metadata that when you publish includes rules about who, you know, who can do that. And this is an aspect we're working on expanding. Um, currently, there are some rules that you can encode, but it's, to be honest, it's a little bit crude. Um, but basically, we anticipate continuing to build the system into something where you can specify fairly complex monetization and licensing rules. Hmm. And so uh, if... Uh, servers and then anyone can um, you know, can spin that up. Right now, we, most people use the default license, which is basically anything goes. So you're basically yeah. saying anyone else can can create software and, and can publish and distribute this content is, is sort mean, of the default. In license. most cases, it's like why wouldn't you? Yeah, you know. Yeah, I mean, I think something that we designed library with this idea in mind is I think that there's a lot of a lot of people don't understand technically how challenging, I would say impossible, it is to actually stop content from being distributed. And so to some extent, libraries trying to acknowledge that the emperor has no clothes. Like there are a lot of people in, in business uh, who want to believe and are eager to be sold on this idea that actually we can stop your content from being copied or distributed and, and, and so on. Library tries to sort of start by acknowledging that that's not really possible and instead says, well, like, let's encode metadata that says the legal realities and let's go after people if they break the law, right? We're not trying to encourage people to be breaking the law, but it's not trying to promise things that aren't possible. Like, you know, YouTube and all of these companies, they spend tens of millions, hundreds of millions of dollars trying to do these DRM type things and they literally don't work, right? Like everyone can download a video from YouTube. Every movie is available, you know, um, if you want to go and get it. And so this idea that it's not going to ever work this way, I, I think, is somewhat 
delusional. I think we're better off. And this, I mean, we went through this lesson in the nineties. I mean, and we're like, it turned out, what did you need to do to stop music piracy? Uh, You needed to build solutions that people would use instead of the, instead of the infringing ones. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. So, well, that leads to question to me, like, so presumably libraries available all over the world. What about in countries that have pretty uh, draconian speech laws? Like, is this thing available in in China or some other place? Like, what do you, uh, what have you seen? Have you seen any examples of interesting things happening there? It is, and I, um, it is available in China. I'm pretty proud of this. We actually recently hired someone to do uh, development for us. And how, how, in, how do they in, react? In, in, how does the government react? Uh, well, but so, sorry, go ahead. Right, well, so, so the Chinese government has blacklisted Odyssey. Okay. But if you open the library desktop app, it works no problem. You don't need to use the, you don't need to circumvent the Chinese firewall. You don't need to use a VPN. Really? You, yeah. It works directly. And uh, should that, so we, we're not aware of any country or place where library desktop app does not work where it's being filtered by the, the country's um, internet filtering. Should we learn of that, we would attempt to evolve the system to uh, evade that. Um, we believe people have the right to communicate and exchange information with other people. We see that as fundamental to our mission. And if um, I think it's really hard. Like you're basically talking about, uh, you know, arbitrary encrypted traffic from one IP address to another. Uh, it's it's going to be difficult to impossible for governments to, to stop this technology, right? So they can't. Um, yeah, and it sounds like they haven't really tried for to. I do. I do. I do think it's possible they haven't tried. Right? Like what what library desktop does doesn't yeah. really slot into their model of the way that yeah. they're traditionally blocking things. So there there could be a game of cat and mouse, right? Like they could start attempting to identify like traffic that really looks like library traffic. But again, you're 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 talking about like it's it's arbitrary IP to IP traffic of encrypted, so encrypted data. So it's just and it's, it's like well, it's a it's okay. Here's this one megabyte. Here's one megabyte being sent from one IP address to another IP address, and it's encrypted. Like, you know. I, it's going to be hard to, to yeah. find ways of, to find rules. They could like randomly shut other, shut off other people's websites and, you know, you, you never know what's going to happen. And so do, do you know of any like communities in any other countries that have actively used library to get around censors? I guess that's, that's, well, I'm not sure what the answer is. Well, but. I don't, I don't want to get anyone in trouble, but, okay. abs- but absolutely. Um, yeah. I mean, and there is a, a deep community behind this project. Like this is not just, quote, Library Inc. uh, doing the work. Um, We have a Discord with 40,000 people in it. And then there are spinoff Discords and spinoff chats and Telegram groups and all this stuff. So there's a a deep community of people who are enthusiastic about the idea of of what we're uh, building. There are absolutely people who are political dissidents or or other kinds of, of things. Um, And and honestly, look, it's, (laughs) you, you know, if we were having this podcast like five years ago, we would not be talking about it being necessary in America. Like yeah. it's it's necessary in America too. Oh, I yeah. mean, there there is footage that's available on library that's been censored from YouTube and Facebook and Twitter and every major social yeah. media. That's site. innocuous, or yeah. or telling a news story that happens to be true that is somehow yeah. deemed false. I mean, I, I have a. I mean, one so one of the most topical ones currently is the is the origins of COVID. Yeah, um, where that was being. Uh, 
prior to a couple of weeks ago was being scrubbed from every site. Um, what was always available on library. Uh, another really good example, and this is a, an example, a great example, I think. That's, of, yeah. th- that's the kind of thing where I'm like, I don't understand the, like, I can't get into the head of the heads of the people in these social media platforms who are like, you know, oh, okay, we're just going to, like, just just by mentioning the possibility it was created in the lab, we're just going to shut that down. Like, you know, uh, there are possibilities for anything. I I don't know. I just, this is where I was like, whoa, the people I work with in tech are uh, a lot crazier than I thought. Yeah. Look, that's, that's my mindset as, as well. And, and I share your confusion as to how it's, it's not a more common one, although I'm certainly well aware of the fact that it's not. Mm. I mean, you know, I, I think that to me, like, you know, almost everything, really everything should be, should be capable of being, you know, at, at least debated or presented especially something as like novel as this, like how could you possibly have a conclusion about, about these things? And that's not me trying to say like, I don't, I'm not trying to say COVID was came from China. My attitude is I have no idea. And even more, my attitude is like, why would you want me to decide that for you? Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> like, like, like that's the thing is like, why are you turning to why are you, it, it's like no one trusts Mark Zuckerberg ever. Right. Like, we watched the movie like no one, yeah. no one trusts that guy. And then like, but why would you turn to him and say, Mark, we want you to control what, what, what people get to, to see. And, and it definitely reveals a streak. And I think a lot of people have, have an author, sort of authoritarianism streak that, that, that I don't, I don't, I don't really have. Um, although, um, uh, I will also, I do also want to say that like, I, my, our intent is not to put edgy or provocative or sketchy or this type of content in front of people. Like my attitude is people should be able to make choices for themselves. If right. people, if people want to only see content that's like government approved, like I want to build that for them. Like I'm not trying to show you things that, that you don't like, but I don't want to be someone who says you over there, you're not allowed to see this thing that, that, that you want to watch. And it's an interesting thing because if you if you ask these people who are pro-censoring this stuff, you say, well, like, would you personally like Mark Zuckerberg to decide what you're allowed to watch or would you like to decide for yourself? Like they all will say themselves, right? Yeah. It's like they want to decide for themselves, but then also they want to decide for others. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I it's, it's an interesting point. And I, um, I mean... You know, I've spoken out against it, but I can't for the life of me get into the psychology of it. So we'll have to do the, um, get to that uh, uh, another time. But I want to jump back from, you know, the, uh, the, the philosophy and the tech uh, of all this. And I want to I want to step back and kind of look at the at the at the product a little bit more, because, you know, we, we talk a lot about product on the show. It's, I've worked on consumer products before, uh, particularly recommendation engines. So we, you just touched on you want to show people, uh, you know, what they want to see. Oftentimes, um, you know, a lot of these centralized systems, uh, YouTube has its own recommendation system. Obviously, I worked on recommendation system at Foursquare. So how does 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 library have a recommendation engine or does odyssey kind of just build that on top of it how does that work uh so actually until very recently neither of them had much of one um so it's basically more feed-based there was um categorization schemes and then there were trending schemes within the categorization but sort of more where we were 
a decade ago than than where we are now. Right. Um, we have uh, recently begun adding a recommendation system to Odyssey. The first design of that system, and it's I, I'll I'll be honest on your podcast. Um, uh, is I imagine not all, most Odyssey users aren't listening. Uh, a lot of people kind of assume one is there, but when it's not, when there wasn't much of one, like people just they're so used. Like well, we were, we were. I'll tell you, we were using basically. There, there, yeah. There's. I'll, I'll tell this from uh, from firsthand, like uh, firsthand experience on, on Foursquare. There's a lot of times where people will you know, come on to, to praise us, but then they think it's a lot smarter than it is because <laughs> we gave them a particular recommendation, yeah. but really it just happened to be the place they were like, like, you know, that was the most popular nearby. And they're yeah. like, how'd you know that was my favorite place? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I'll, I'll earn some probably honesty credits for, for saying this. Um, what we sort of presented as recommendations was actually just a, a search of the title of the video <laughs> that yeah. you had just watched. Yeah. So we had a search system and we would just feed the title of the video you watched into the search system and, and show that back to you as like next suggested videos. Yeah. Um, um, it is now getting more sophisticated than that. Yeah. There are yeah. a lot of things that you can do that are, that are, are that, that are pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. Um, and there's a lot of research that, you know, that have that that should be good put to good use because I feel like in recent years, um, like you know, I used to go to the recommendation uh, Rexis conferences and there were all these people with all these ideas and how to build the best recommender system, and I I feel like there are tons of ideas out. There's tons of great ideas out there, and it's all been like used for like um, not necessarily evil, but for um, not in the consumer's best interest. Let me put it that way. Yeah, and that's that's. These are some of the conversations we're having right now as we as we develop and build this stuff. Um, and we do want to bring it into the library protocol itself. One of the things that Odyssey has let us do is it's also let us move faster and be a little bit – I'm pretty idealistic, um, but it's maybe moved us just a notch down from being like completely idealistic because we can – well – we're building, we can build something on Odyssey first and then figure out how to bring it into decentralized land. Something that is really interesting that I think will end up being one of the more impactful properties about library down the road is when you're talking about blockchain activity, it's something that can't be faked. Um, so if I'm tipping cryptocurrency to someone else or it's, it's requiring like a real world resource. So in it, we can do some really interesting things like build this web of staked connections um, between channels and identities. We can, uh, the ability to sort of fraudulently create accounts where they're cheap or free uh, to do that is like not, is not quite the same. And so I do think, you know, because this is something all of these sites well, struggle th with. There's a lot of like a uh, user spam. We deal with it all the time. Um, I, you know, I, I do. <laughs> so, I mean, I guess you guys, well, yeah, tell me about it. Yeah, well, we deal with it too. Um, we actually deal with it more in, from the side of my company is willing to give you small amounts of cryptocurrency for signing up. And like one of the biggest spam problems that we've been dealing with for playing cat and mouse for months is um, we, we, it's, you get about f three cents, five cents worth of cryptocurrency for verifying your email address and really? creating your account. Well, who gives that to you? The system? My the... company does. So oh, this oh, is, this, Odyssey This is when you create an Odyssey account, okay. right, right? gotcha. So, but, but three or five cents worth of cryptocurrency, like that's enough to create a channel and, you know, publish dozens of things. Oh, right, yeah, yeah, right, yeah. right. So it goes a long way. Um, but nonetheless, if you give out three cents for creating an account, that's something that people will, will try to abuse. 
Um, so, so that's, um, you know, that's something that, yeah, we have to unfortunately spend engineering time on is, is trying to stop people from abusing that system. Yeah. Well, how about, I'm just spitballing here. How about you have to pay to create an account and then Odyssey just like, um, if you're using Odyssey, then, then Odyssey pays, uh, directly. But then since you're using Odyssey, you have the right to kind of run an algorithm to check if someone's a real person. Well, that's what we're, that's what we do. Yeah. Right. But the thing is that as, as you've seen, people will circumvent those algorithms. They'll try to learn oh, yeah. how they work. It's and, a whole arms race. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so that we're going through some of that. Yeah. All right. So you mentioned monetization. Let's, let's talk about this. So people make money off YouTube. I don't, but I know that <laughs> some people do and they, they get like lots of, uh, they get lots of, plays and there are all the, there are all these, uh, ads. Um, you guys don't have a lot of ads or any ads. How, how do people, what happens? How, how do people, people are making money on there though. So, so what's going on? Yeah. So, well, so one, um, we do have a robust tipping system and there's a lot of people who are enthusiastic. So like you'll publish this podcast. I bet, you know, some people will, will give you some tips. Hmm. Um, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll try you on that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, we uh, we actually do uh, provide mon- so Odyssey provides monetization. Yeah. So if you create your account on Odyssey, so if you publish straight through the desktop app peer to peer, the monetization that you'll currently get is basically from users supporting your content. Um, if you publish on Odyssey, um, we have begun some advertising experiments there, and then we also provide monetization from our own cryptocurrency reserves. Um, so you will receive, if you sign up through Odyssey, you will receive a monetization that's comparable or higher to YouTube. It'll be paid in cryptocurrency. It'll settle right away. You won't have to hit various, you know, thresholds. Um, that's obviously not, uh, a system that works forever, right? There's no free lunch. We can't give out free cryptocurrency. Oh, so it's just, it's stuff that you have. It's literally our reserves. Okay. So it doesn't last forever. Yes. Yeah. Um, now that said, um, we, the system is designed in this auto adjusting way that, our reserves that we've allocated, and we allocated them specifically for this purpose, they'll last um, more than three more years. So, like, um, but we are now building out an advertising system in into Odyssey. Something that we are going to do that's different than YouTube is choice is one of our central sort of values or themes throughout what we, we build. And so, one of the things that I think YouTube does that's very wrong is like they force these ads on you when frequently the value of those ads is very low. Yeah. Um, right. Like I, you might be being, you're frequently forced to watch an ad that to the creator is earning them. I, they, they always give these numbers in CPM. I actually like giving them in, in CP one. Right. Uh, so CPM CP. is per, per, per thousand. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, a cost uh, per individual. Yeah. I so. like C. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think CPI as an acronym is taken. So I don't know. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, like, cause it's like, Oh, you're, you're a YouTuber is earning a 10 or a $20 CPM. Well, okay, but what is that per person? That means it's a fraction of a cent, yeah. right? Or one cent or yeah. two cents. And it's like... It's I, not in the user's interest. Like, I, 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 wouldn't go through a, I wouldn't go through the whole credit card thing, but if somehow I could magically be deducted a, a, a tenth of a cent to not see that dumb ad, yeah. maybe that, that is in my interest. Exactly. And so our intent is to give people a choice. So as advertising, more advertising does get added to the system. And similarly, as a creator, our intent is to give you the same choice. So right now, oh, library provides also monetization in the sense that you can say this has a cost. Hmm. So you can say this content costs five dollars and sell it for five dollars right um but um we want to match 
um, we want to match the YouTube model. And so you'll be, you'll be able to basically encode rules where you're saying things like, uh, you know, I want, my content is free if the site is free, but if you're making money, I want 70% of it. Right? Gotcha, gotcha. Um, or I want, um, uh, you know, I want these micro costs that can be subsidized by, by advertising. Um, uh, but whatever we do, we do want to maintain choice. So users who don't want ads, who would prefer to pay, they will, you know, always be given that choice. So that's, uh, that's pretty exciting. So, I mean, the last question I've written here, I feel like we've already answered, which is like YouTube has been under these tremendous pressure to, uh, pressures to deplatform, demonetize, censor. Um, when do you guys come under that pressure? Do you feel like there's going to be a war sometime and at some point and then, and then the people who are uh, applying that pressure are going to realize, you know, hey, uh, or, or it's just the pressure to become corporate, which is, you know, as, they're going to realize, oh, my God, this doesn't work. What do we do? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I personally, as the... Like what so, happens in 10 years? Yeah, that's a very interesting question. I mean, I think this system, and this is one of the reasons why I think we'll... we'll so I, I think YouTube is, honestly, I think Google in general is like, the future is not bright. They've been, unless something at that company changes, they've been like regularly shooting themselves in the feet. And I don't know if that's from the executives or hmm. from like sort of the rank and file political opinion, but they've become a very political company. I, I have a book on my shelf over here called Life After Google by George Gilder. Yeah. And I'm, I've been meaning to go over that on the podcast yeah. a long time, but I, but I read it and it's yeah. very interesting. And, and so like, I don't, I don't think the future of, of Google is bright currently. It seems like to the extent that they're innovating, they're innovating around how to like, be more authoritarian. It's sort of very, I loved Google 10 years ago and my mm. opinion on Google has shifted so much. Yeah. Um, but, uh, we've, I've tried very much to design things that like, uh, an analogy that I've given before is like, uh, you know, I could have some kind of like brain worm that turns me into like evil Jeremy who holds like the opposite of my values. Yeah. And we've tried to design things. I've tried to design things that, like, even that wouldn't stop things, right? Everything is open source. The system is decentralized. People have local control and local ownership. So everything could be forked. Everything could be changed, you know? Right. It's, it's not the sexiest comparison, but we've tried to turn it to turn it a bit into, like, something like email. Like, email is Google's best product, right? Like, that's the product that's become the least corrupted, the least where they're messing with you, and, right. And I assume they read the Gmail, but it's never going to come back to me and bite me. <laughs> it's yeah, like, you know right. what I mean? <laughs> well, but, but part of the reason I think is like Gmail is also the product where you're the least trapped. Hmm. They, and they're trying to innovate ways to keep you trapped, right? They're, they're trying to do more filtering and more tabs and more kinds of things that like aren't in, in that sort of standard email client. And I guess maybe email is dying in general compared to other, other messaging apps. But one of the things that email does have is like, it's very easy to leave because it's this interoperable system where you're not trapped into in, in any one provider. And, yeah. and so we've tried to design the system that same properties. Yeah, no, I, I feel like, you know, email's not dying so much as yes, there are other systems that are, that, that kind of try to supersede it, but email is like the old system that just doesn't go away. Like it keeps coming back. I mean, look at, uh, look at something like Substack now where, you know, it's, it's just like, Okay, this is a brand. If you told me like 15 years ago, brand new company, what does it do? Email newsletters. <laughs> You're like, what? That's like at the uh, that's at the forefront. Like that's this crazy. But um, email is like um, you know one of those base technologies that kind of 
it doesn't go away. Whereas I think some of this, you know, some of these messaging apps might not be might be superseded by other messaging apps. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I think this is like a bold statement, and I understand that when I'm saying it. But like, I think library will become a foundational part of the internet this system of like it's if you think about like what's the most fundamental part of the internet it's actually and i didn't realize this when we were creating it um but i do i think this way now like identity right it's like it's your online identity and you have these identities in different places and you may maintain multiple identities i don't mean like literally you as a person but i mean like an identity a pseudonym which pseudonyms are frequently mapped under real people but not always and what library does is it provides the system where you can have a pseudonym, you own it, that pseudonym can make statements, can publish things in a way that's provable, and it's and you own the identity, right? And and and, and some other blockchain type companies may be trying to do this, but none of them have as many identities as we do, actually. Mm-hmm. Because we have all of these creators, really big creators. I didn't I did a bad job hyping that actually. So I made a bad doing a bad job saving this for you. There are really big creators on on Odyssey and Library. If you go on there, you're gonna find huge creators that you know and like yeah some are like the local maximums but there's also people who are like totally different yeah i mean we're talking about like hundreds and hundreds maybe thousands of creators that have more than a million subscribers on youtube yeah are, are publishing to library yeah. um and so um that we million there's more than a million identities on the library network that are now can now be locally owned by the people who have them we're really building the future of the decentralized web uh, and so I think the future for what we're building is like really bright. Yeah. All right. Jeremy Kaufman, thanks for coming on the show. Any last, uh, any, any close, that, that was probably a pretty good way to close it, but uh, any, uh, any, any last thought, closing thoughts and uh, where can people find more information about Odyssey and more information about uh, you and what you're doing? Uh, well, you better go on. If you're still listening at this point, you really better be on Odyssey or going there right after this to create an account. <laughs> Uh, and to follow Max uh, and follow him over there. Uh, if you want to hear me from me personally, I'm also on library. My handle on library is K-A-U-F-F-J. Uh, and then the other platform that I use the most is probably Twitter, uh, where my handle is my full name, uh, Jeremy Kaufman. Okay, cool. We'll follow you on Twitter. That's another one that we're going to have to fix at some point, but let's do YouTube first. Jeremy, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks, Max. That's the show. To support The Local Maximum, sign up for exclusive content and our online community at Maximum.Locals.com. The Local Maximum is available wherever podcasts are found. If you want to keep up, remember to subscribe on your podcast app. Also, check out the website with show notes and additional materials at LocalMaxRadio.com. If you want to contact me, the host, send an email to LocalMaxRadio at gmail.com. Have a great week. Feel the power. Thank you.